Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek, in which we discuss the hijinks of the crew in the latest episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Joining me to discuss this, as well as the week's Star Trek news, is my co-host, Bruce Gibson, who's with me every week. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing peachy, as we say here in Georgia, peachy. Ah, excellent, excellent. Uh, This is a fun episode to discuss. I'm so happy we get to talk about this. Uh, I just watched it late last night, and that's the only time I've seen the episode. So really eager to get to the Strange New Worlds new episode discussion. We're going to be talking about episode five of season one, Spock Amok, which uh, great title, too. (laughs) I know. I got confused. I told my wife, I said, oh, this episode is called Time Amok. But that was from Prodigy. And then I was like, yeah. oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. It's Spock Amok. <laughs> no, it's a mock time. Wait, no, that's the original series. Oh, man. Yeah, they're really uh, playing up that Amok using that for uh, jokes and references and stuff. So, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Before we do that, though, we do have some news this week. Not a ton of news to talk about this week, but a couple things that we wanted to discuss. So... Uh, Let's start out with Paramount Plus and their UK launch. And we've talked a bit about this in weeks past, but we've gotten new details about exactly what the UK launch of Paramount Plus is going to look like on June 22nd. So later this month, it will be launching in the UK and Ireland. Officially announced by Paramount Plus, the first three episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds will be available on that day. Uh, so UK viewers and fans of Star Trek who are looking to watch beyond that will still have to wait just a little bit longer. Uh, they're only getting those first three episodes of Strange New Worlds. So what are your thoughts on that, Bruce? It sucks because, and it doesn't affect me because I don't live there, but... It sucks because, well, it's good and bad. I mean, it's good that the episodes are officially being released so everybody can watch them. It sucks that they're still going to be behind in Strange New Worlds for the first season. They'll be five weeks behind the rest of us. But I know that this is the ploy. I shouldn't say ploy, but this is the plan for Paramount Plus, and that is to keep people tuning in week after week so they continue their subscription and not just pay, you know, go into the seven day trial because they offer the free seven day trial, Mm -hmm. which means people could go and binge watch all Stranger Worlds and then drop it. It would be kind of odd to release. I guess at this point, we'd be up to maybe seven or eight episodes. It'd be weird to drop those and then just a week later have one and then another one come out and you're done. So the three is to give everybody a taste of Strange New Worlds and then to tune in each week. But 
you know, we have to remember that the majority of people that watch this stuff aren't as diehard as we are. So, you know, it's it's just that plan of weekly releases. But I'm hoping that by the time we get to new seasons of all these series, that these are dropping at the same time they drop as everyone else. Yeah, I I certainly hope that's the case. And I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be like that makes sense for sure. Uh, we should also say that all four seasons of Star Trek Discovery and the first 10 episodes of Star Trek Prodigy, so all of the episodes that have been released so far in the U.S. market, will be available at the U.K. at launch on June 22nd. So That's great. That, that's great, yeah, that all of those will be available. Uh, Picard and Lower Decks, of course, are currently available on Prime in the UK and Ireland. So that's where you can find those. That's been the case for them so far up to now. Uh, I have this article by TrekCore open, I should say, and they're still not sure. They haven't found out if the Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition recent remaster will be part of the initial offerings in the UK as well. I have to imagine they that it will be, but no confirmation on that for sure. Yeah, I would think over time, what you find on Paramount Plus is going to mirror itself in most, in all countries, especially the properties that are owned by Paramount. So I would think that would be the case. If they bring anything from some other programmer, other studios into the service, that could make things a little wonky. But I would think all of their properties would mirror the same in every country on Paramount Plus. Yeah. I I would hope so. It would make sense for sure. So we'll be keeping our eye out on that June 22nd release day just to see kind of what the reaction is in the UK and and if there's any problems with the rollout. Hopefully it all goes smoothly. And again, as we say, hopefully all of those Star Treks later on as they're released in the US market will be released simultaneously in the uh, UK service as well. But now moving on to our second story, which also has to do with Paramount Plus, and this is the inevitable dropping of the other shoe with regards to Star Trek on Netflix. As we've reported in the past, as each of these shows kind of drops off the service, in the US, the final Star Trek show that was on Netflix is now going to be leaving and streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus, and that is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. As of July 1st, will no longer be available on U.S. Netflix, and at that point in the U.S., all Star Treks, if you want to watch them on a streaming service, will have to be through Paramount Plus. Not a big surprise, because we've seen this happen <laughs> with the other series. Exactly. So it, since I'm doing my DS9 rewatch, which I've slowed down on in the last week or so, but I'm going to pick that back up again. But I've been watching it on Paramount+. Plus. There are times that, out of habit, I'll go over to Netflix and I'll go to DS9. I'm like, wait, that's not the last episode. Oh, wait, that's right. I'm watching on <laughs> Paramount+. Plus. So, I mean, for me personally, not a big deal. Because like I said, I'm watching not just DS9, but all my Star Trek now on Paramount+. Plus. So that's the go-to place. And that's what they want, right? It's just not everybody subscribes to that service. And I hope occasionally they release these series to other platforms every once in a while so that people are introduced to them and maybe get hooked on them and then go to Paramount Plus to watch the others. Yeah, well, here in Canada, they are still all available on Netflix. 
as well as Crave. We have lots of options for watching Star Trek as of now in Canada. So uh, I'm sure that will change, though, in the near future as well, when this kind of global rollout eventually gets to where it, where they want it. But uh, yeah, as of now in the States, that's the plan for the future. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I've been looking at the numbers and I don't remember exactly what they are, but the numbers for Paramount Plus, meaning the number of subscribers, users of the service has been growing and it, it's up there. I mean, they have more people subscribed to Paramount Plus than subscribed to HBO Max. Mm hmm. I, I know the numbers have like exceeded their their projections and exceeded their goals. So the rollout of Paramount Plus has been very successful in the eyes of, of the studio there. So, you know, mm -hmm. there, a lot of people are subscribing. And at the same time, we've seen a drop in subscribers to Netflix in the yeah. U.S. Well, even worldwide, I guess. Those are worldwide numbers. And I, I mean, this isn't the, the reason, but I'd like to think it's because the Star Trek series moved off of Netflix into Paramount Plus. So everybody's like, oh, I don't need Netflix anymore. That just shows you the power of Star Trek. There you go. <laughs> I don't think that's the reason, of course. But it'd be interesting they drop Deep Space Nine and if Netflix numbers really drop and then it's like, maybe it does have to do with Star Trek. <laughs> yep. That's the only reason people ever had Netflix was Star Trek. No, I, I don't think that's the case. Well, just, you know, season two of Squid Game comes out. That'll be all anyone talks about. So, <laughs> well, in the early days, I mean, I, that was primarily one of the main reasons I subscribed to Netflix was to have access to all the Star Trek that was on there. That mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't the only reason, but it was like the number one or number two reason. It was up there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still a subscriber to Netflix, even though Star Trek's not on there, because there's still a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I'm still on Netflix as well. It's, yeah, there's there's a few shows. Actually, hmm, not a lot of shows we're watching on there right now. It might, ah. I might need to look back through our viewing history and maybe reevaluate the Netflix thing. Hmm, but we'll see. I'll want to watch Squid Game when it comes out. I, I got on that band, bandwagon and a bunch of other shows and stuff, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got on that bandwagon. My kids have, but uh, we've been watching Stranger Things. We've caught up to all the oh, episodes yes. on this new yeah. season. And I don't know, I haven't read anybody's opinion about this season four of Stranger Things, but I know for all of us in this household, this is like our favorite season. Oh, wow. We're bad. We're, we still haven't watched season three yet. We've been, that's been on our list to catch up in, for ages, but for whatever reason, we haven't got back to it yet. So when you watch season three, it takes place in a mall. A lot mm -hmm. of the episodes, that mall is near my house and that mall closed down because a newer, bigger mall was built up the road from it. So, okay. well, it's not closed, closed, but most of everything's out. There's just a few things left, but it's pretty much a ghost town in there. So a lot of films and shows are done in that mall. And it's weird to see that food court area and stuff where a lot of the scenes take place because back in the day, I used to live like almost across the street from that mall. And I used to go into that food court all the time. And that was in the early nineties. And this show takes place in the early, in, in the eighties. And I'm like, yeah, that's about what it looked like back then. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. On the, on the subject of television shows filming in locations near where we live, I have a rare one. Like I imagine where you live, there's a lot of television television and film production in Georgia and stuff. And that probably happens more often for you. But for me, uh, we recently opened a new hospital in the city I live 
in Grand Prairie, Alberta, and the old hospital uh, was recently the site of some filming for Pedro Pascal's show, The Last of Us. They needed an abandoned hospital, and they they used ours. So the hospital that I was born in is going to be in that show, apparently. All so right. I'm going to have to watch it just for that. <laughs> yeah, I want to see where you were born. I'll watch it just for that, too. <laughs> I imagine it's not going to look much like it does when it's an operating hospital by the sounds of it, but <laughs> should be interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of production going on, like you said, here in Georgia because of tax credits and stuff. If you ever see like shows and movies, they have the little peach that says Georgia or whatever at the end of the credits. Made in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even around our office, they'll close streets down because, oh, they're filming something for The Walking Dead or something like that, you know? And then without getting too much in the weeds because we get into Star Trek, but the um, the company I work for, we own a building in the Atlanta area and we have a big parking lot area that we're looking to turn into sound stages. And mm. We're also uh, opening up some other offices, so we may have other productions and movie studios doing work on our campus, and I'm hoping one day Star Trek will be done there. That would be very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I could go in any time I want. I'd have my badge, and I'd just be badging into every Star Trek production. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. On set, firsthand reporting. <laughs> that would yes. be great. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine. I mean... I would definitely get access. I, I know the big guy that runs the company, and I'd say, if you're going to let one person in there, let me. Come on. Do it just for me. And he would do it. <laughs> well, until that day comes, we unfortunately have to rely on Paramount Plus for you and Crave for me to get a glimpse of Star Trek. And speaking of which, we got a glimpse of the last week's Star Trek that we're going to talk about next the episode Spock Amok from season one of Strange New Worlds, and we'll get to that review of that episode right after this. It's that time of the episode again where we give a special shout-out to our Patreon supporters, especially those at our Constitution class Starship level and higher. So a special thank you to Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Justin Ozer, Jim Stoffel, Jesse Earle, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber. We really do appreciate all of your support of the Positively Trek podcast. If you are interested in making a monthly donation to help keep the show coming to you each week, please visit us at patreon.com slash positivelytrek. If you join at any level, you get access to our Patreon-only feed, where you get early access to episodes and ad-free versions of episodes as well. There are also other great perks. Again, visit us at patreon.com slash positivelytrek to learn more. Thanks again. And now, back to the show. We have undertaken a ritual to share our katras. It has had unforeseen consequences. We have switched bodies. We seem unable to switch back. <laughs> Get out of town. We are not in a town. You guys did a body swap, like, you, like your minds are in each other's- That is correct. I am Spock. And I am T'Kring. Now that you know, you can likely tell the very clear differences in our mannerisms. Yeah, totally. So, Bruce, this week's episode of Strange New Worlds, I got to imagine at some point on the script page, the directions were just, 
and hijinks ensue <laughs> because we've got kind of a fun light episode of Star Trek after last week's really heavy, dark battle with the Gorn. Now we get this kind of more lighthearted, more fun episode of Strange New Worlds. How do you think they handled that tone? I, I think they handled it well. I, I picture somebody walking into the writer's room and putting down a big bottle of bourbon in the middle of the table and go, <laughs> okay, people, we're going to have fun with this one. All right, let's just do a fun episode here. But I did like the tone of it. It wasn't that comedic type of episode like the Trouble with Tribbles, because to that to me, that episode was more about the situation that the Enterprise is in. This is more of like the situation a couple of our characters are in. So it's a little mm. different, but I, I did like the lighter tone of things because I think the show plays well with the lighter tone. It worked in the other episodes, even when there's a crisis going on, there's some levity in there. So they've already built that. So this, this feels right. I agree. And, and I like your point about the comedy kind of being born of the characters and what makes these characters tick, which is pretty interesting given that it's only episode five of the series. Now, granted, at least one of the characters that we get a lot of time with is a very well-established Star Trek character who's been there since the very beginning. So, you know, a little bit of a more understandable on that part. But some of the other stuff, I love that we're getting to know these characters and get inside their heads a bit. And that the writers are making an effort to craft these stories, not just out of like, oh, something silly happens and, you know, how will these people react to it it's more endemic to who they are as people that's kind of cool I, I i think that's talented writing at that point when you can get that those comedic moments out of these characters like that yeah it's not like they pulled from short treks and brought edward on board with a bunch of tribbles and they all had to deal with it right exactly <laughs> well let's jump into this story with the teaser first of all the the part we get right at the beginning we get a, kind of a recreation of the scene from Amok Time with the Kunat Khalifi and Spock's uh, family area where they traditionally have their marriage ceremonies. And I have to praise this scene on so many levels where Spock is fighting Spock. He's a human and he's fighting his Vulcan half, which, you know, as Chapel says later, Vulcans don't really do subtle, do they? <laughs> it's pretty on the nose. But there's so much about this scene that I love. First of all, the music that they recreated the Amok Time fight music so well here. It's not just lifted, it's rearranged, but it it's so faithfully done. I love that. That was so much fun to hear. I thought when it first started, I was like, oh, we'll hear a couple notes of it and it'll be a little homage. Nope, they went full Amok time with that. I loved it. Yeah, I did too, because that's like classic music. I mean, that's recognizable to most Star Trek fans and casual fans from that episode. So, yeah, I thought they would probably sprinkle it in a little here and there, little callbacks to it. But yeah, they went full on, which, which is great because... It really just makes this opening, this teaser scene, really feel like it's a play off of a mock time. You know, the location looks similar to it, this whole ceremony. There's a lot going on here, especially when Vulcan Spock slices human Spock across 
you know, the front of his chest, just in the same location with the rip shirt, like he did with Kirk in a mock time. Yep. I, that was going to be my next point. I love that. You know, at first it's like, oh, that's funny. They're, they're doing that. But then you think like, oh, there's, there's kind of a deeper meaning to that. Right. He, he was attacking his human friend in a mock time. And here he's trying to kill his human side, his human self the part of him that has him in Starfleet and and would make these friends with humans and stuff. There's kind of some interesting parallels there as well. So I, I thought that was really well done. Do you think the universe was telling Spock that this is a preview of what's going to happen in his future? It could be. There's an interesting comment that I saw somebody made that kind of reframes what happens in a mock time and that that situation that he finds himself in later in life is literally his nightmare. And I was like, whoa, wow. That kind of adds another layer to that scene too. I'm picturing Spock going to Captain Pike and saying, Captain, I think I had an experience in my dream that showed me a glimpse of my future. How should I deal with this? And Pike going, Mm -hmm. Spock, I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with my future. (laughs) Like, don't ask me what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that scene was wonderful. And, you know, a glimpse of things to come, as you say, which obviously is something that's on Spock's mind because he's being reunited here with T'Pring as the Enterprise is at Starbase One undergoing repairs. And I got to say, these two together, I love their back and forth. Like the the irritation that T'Pring shows with Spock in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways. And just their the way they interact with each other, I really enjoy. They're so, ah, how do I put it? It's It's like they're so emotionless and cold, but at the same time, there's so much emotion bubbling just below the surface that they're both so good at letting out just enough. I love it. It's like when they're in his quarters and they embrace each other and then they move away from each other and they go into their stance, their Vulcan stance of like, okay, we expressed emotion and now we're suppressing it. (laughs) You know, it's like that Mm -hmm. balance that they have. And it seems like this is what a Vulcan couple would be like, you know, because you do wonder, it's like, well, if you don't really have emotions, what kind of relationship can you have with a spouse. I mean, what does that look like? Is there love? Is there emotion? Is there affection in that? Or is it just like two roommates living together that just tolerate one another? And it's kind of a mix of both. Yeah, there's definitely all of that kind of mixed in there, which is, and they play it so well. They they play these roles so perfectly. I saw some people online having an issue, both in this episode and in the first episode, with Spock and T'Pring kissing, which I kind of have a little bit of a, a explanation in my head, if that makes sense, because maybe that's not something that Vulcans normally do, but Spock is half-human, and T'Pring kind of enjoys this kind of weird, like, hey, bring in some of your crazy, weird human stuff. And she's into it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, certainly that works for me that it could be that. Did T'Pol and uh, Trip kiss? They kissed, right? They kissed. But again, yeah, Trip's human. Right. That's that's kind of what he does, right? And T'Pol definitely was interested in experimenting with 
how humans do things. So yeah. it's definitely something we've not seen Sarek and Amanda do. They they always did the finger touching thing, uh, as did Sarek with his other wife. But Sarek's, even though he married two humans, is a lot more traditional, I think. So Well, I guess that's what I'm kind of leaning towards is there's nothing that really says that Vulcans don't kiss. I mean, maybe they typically don't, but it doesn't mean they can't or they mm-hmm. don't every once in a while. I mean, we see later they actually slept together. So if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you kiss? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's some human cultures that don't even kiss, right? So it just, you know, it's it's very Western, very, you know, oh, the Vulcans do that too. But I'm okay with it. I just think, I think it's a human thing that the Vulcans are like, ooh, I want to try this cool thing out. That sounds like fun. Now, I, I like the, <laughs> the the idea of because it's kind of a human thing and Spock's half human, it's something he's introduced into the relationship that she finds a bit kinky. <laughs> exactly. Well, at Starbase One, we've got a number of stories going on. First of all, a lot of crew members are going on shore leave because they have some downtime. We also have these negotiations going on with the Rongovian Protectorate. They have a small but vitally important piece of territory that's kind of situated between the Federation, the Klingon Empire, and the Romulan Empire. So very strategic place and they're in negotiations to ally with the Federation, but also possibly with the Klingons or the Romulans. And it's kind of down to Pike to negotiate this treaty along with uh, Spock and some of his staff there. So this might present a problem with Spock and T'Pring getting together. They're supposed to carve out some time for each other, but Spock has this important duty to do. But he promises that it won't interfere with their dinner that evening, which inevitably, of course, it does because they show up early and want to start the negotiations early and Spock is inevitably delayed and T'Pring is not happy about that. No, but it's a nice setup for this relationship that gets us to a mock time, right? We got hints of it in the first episode this season. We're getting that here too, where... You know, you have to invest in the relationship and if his career is getting in the way and hers too, and maybe, and they're not compatible career wise and time goes by. Yeah. She may kind of lean towards someone else on Vulcan and he may lean towards someone else who works in sick bay on the enterprise. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. One thing that I found really interesting is just kind of jumping all around this episode, I expected the end of this episode to kind of set us on that path, like you say, with T'Pring and how she is in a mock time. But I love that they're taking their time with this. And the events of this episode, which we'll talk about in detail because they're great, kind of ends with them growing a little bit closer. So this, this, road to a mock time is going to be more complicated than we thought. Like it's not just this progression of they drift further and further and further apart. And then that I love that we're getting this kind of winding road of this relationship a bit too. I was, I wasn't expecting the ending here that we got. I was expecting like, Oh, she'll get more irritated and we'll get more in that direction. But no, they're they're really doing an interesting kind of fleshing out of this relationship. I expected it to end that same way 
where it's like, okay, here we go. This is where we're kind of leading in towards a mock time. But there's enough little hints and seeds there that if we never saw Dupring again, that it still makes sense that if it's been Mm. years since Spock has seen her, that she's gone this route. Because we were already kind of getting hints that, you know, he's putting career ahead of her and and she's not liking that. And so, but I I do think we're going to see more of her. Uh, maybe not this season. I don't know. It could be the following season, but I do feel like we will see her again. I wanted to rewatch a scene from a mock time and I forgot to do it before we recorded. And I had recently just watched this episode not that long ago, but isn't Christine Chapel around when Spock says on a mock time that Tapring is his wife and she's like shocked by that? Yeah, so I I had that in my notes to get to oh, okay. later, but no, let let's talk about that now then. We're really jumping all over the episode, but yeah, that is a major discontinuity, I think, between this episode and a mock time. We do get that gasp of surprise when Spock reveals this information, and it does seem as though Chapel has never heard of nor seen to Pring before, and we definitely get interaction in this episode so it's something that maybe again i haven't watched a mock time in a while maybe we could reinterpret somehow her reaction but it does seem to be a little bit of a discontinuity there yeah i just wanted to see her reaction because the difference is to pring is his, is his fiance here right mm-hmm. so years later i mean as far as christine chapel is concerned they're still engaged and then all of a sudden Spock drops this bomb. Oh, she's my wife. And that's probably why she gives the reaction like, wait, what? When did that happen? Mm. I don't know. But I wanted Maybe. to see her reaction to see if that's how that, if it would feel that way. Could be. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I need to watch it again, but it does seem to kind of not quite jive with what we see here, but that could be a, a bit of an explanation there for sure. Well, speaking of Christine Chapel. After Spock drops the ball here, she gives him some advice and says, you know, you need to see things from each other's perspective. And they take that very literally and engage in this ceremony for this kind of like deep mind meld that will allow them to see through each other's eyes. And I joked with my wife during this scene when we see what happens. It's the ancient Vulcan ceremony of Ferike Friday. (laughs) oh nice i see yep because uh yeah we get a freaky friday incident with the body swapping and now to pring's mind is in spock's body and spock's mind is in to pring's body and quite literally in dialogue hijinks ensue because i i i loved the use of the term hijinks like i am not fond of hijinks (laughs) that was so much fun (laughs) that was great yeah i was watching this and i thought yep freaky friday and then i watched it you know when it came out that morning and then i watched in the evening with my wife and as soon as that happened she went freaky friday for spock and i'm (laughs) yep which by the way we're talking about movies being filmed in areas uh there's a horror slash kind of comedy movie out called freaky or freak oh gosh is that what's called i think it's called freaky i think so, and yeah. that was filmed at my kids high school oh so you know. wow that's they cool. had to close a wing of the high school for like a month or so to film oh, it wow. there so they had to rearrange classrooms and stuff so if you watch that movie and you see the high school 
scenes, that's in my kid's school. And by the way, they had uh, some crew members show up with drugs, and that caused a whole thing. Oh, man. <laughs> Police showed up, arrested people. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, boy. It's still a school, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I should take that, but I don't think they were crew members. I think they were some kind of vendors or something that the studio brought in. So I don't, I don't want to say it was the studio people, but it was somebody associated with production. Oh, wow. <laughs> man. That's the, that's the film with Vince Vaughn, right? Yes. That, that one. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, we've got this, like I said, freaky Friday incident. And <laughs> again, Ethan Peck and Gia Sandu do such a great job here playing each other. And I mean, this is, I feel like, even more challenging than your typical body swap type episode or, or situation because they're playing these ostensibly fairly emotionless people with similar speech patterns, not exact, but very similar. So the differences have to be very, very subtle. And I think they do a really good job. Ethan Peck just kind of talking with a slightly softer voice and his cadence and pronunciation is shifted just a little bit. And at the same time, Gia Sandu just totally channeling Ethan Peck's Spock and his reactions and his kind of mild surprise at stuff in that way that Spock in Strange New Worlds does. And their line to Pike that like, now that you know that we've switched, you can totally tell our subtle differences. And Pike's like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so much fun. <laughs> I love it when T'Pring, who's actually Spock, is talking to the captain and before he knows that they've switched bodies, says Chris, like, you know, <laughs> and, and then Spock, who's really depraying, says Chris. And like, it's just, it was like this awkward moment of like not knowing how to really converse with the captain. And he's just kind of looking at them like something strange is going on here. <laughs> it also makes me wonder if they rehearsed that scene the first time where Spock played the T'Pring character, or oh. Ethan Peck played, you know, they reversed the roles just to see how, and then they kind of said, okay, I see how you're standing there, how you, now I'm going to act it that way. That makes sense. I bet that would be really helpful for sure. That was so much fun. And, and I mean, some people might kind of laugh at the silliness of, of a body swapping plot, but as an acting exercise, I think it's so much fun just to see these actors play the other character and again with such subtle differences but it still comes through you know so the awkwardness and the day-to-day -day stuff putting myself in that position and like how difficult that would be to remember okay i need to refer to myself as that like right there in the moment like there's so many moments where to wouldn't or spock wouldn't want to do that and he's right there and pike's like i can see that <laughs> like, just little <laughs> things like that i love that i was watching this thinking oh gosh are people going to complain that this is ridiculous that they can't just switch bodies like that that this is just dorky and stupid and 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 i'm like and i haven't read a single thing online i have no idea what anybody's saying i mean i haven't read one thing so i have no clue but I thought, well, if anybody thinks that's ridiculous, I mean, 
there's so much in Star Trek that you can point to and say, I mean, just the Katra thing alone of transferring one to the other is can is just as ridiculous and we've had so many other situations where people are in other bodies or minds or else you know whatever or combining people or separating people and transporters it's just a star trek thing yeah one thing i also appreciated about this whole story is a lot of those stories that take place like freaky friday or whatever it's so important that they keep it a secret from everyone all the time and that wouldn't make sense with this. And I'm really glad that they're like, I think we need to tell Captain Pike. Yes, that is logical. And they just let him know. And he's like, okay, that's weird, but we got to do this. I liked that, that like it wasn't this artificial, we've got to keep it a secret from everyone. We're so embarrassed about this. This is so weird. And no, it's Star Trek. It's like, tell your captain what's going on and let's get this figured out kind of thing. I'm with you with that. Cause that scene where, you know, Pike is looking at them like what's going on here. This is really weird. And they're not telling him. I, I do remember feeling like, Oh, you know, I don't want to know if I want a whole episode of them trying to keep this a secret from everybody. And I mean, it can be funny and it could be fun, but to your point, it's like, why, why, why keep it a secret? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no real reason not to tell Pike or anybody else like, and they're asking for help, right? Like help us get back to our bot. If we can't do it, you know, let's go to sick bay or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's no reason to keep it a secret. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my least favorite tropes in sitcoms, especially because sitcoms are very notorious for this is the like, there's a misunderstanding. Somebody hears something and they they misunderstand. So they spend the whole episode thinking one thing when the actual thing is the other thing. Which oh, is, you've watched Three's Company, huh? Exactly. <laughs> which, you know, if it's done really, really well, can be funny. But you have to do that really well. And it's it's become such a tired thing to fall back on for many, many sitcoms. I was momentarily worried in the scene where they're in the star base in the like wilderness area and uh, Christine sees T'Pring coming and is like, oh, I need to talk to her about blah, 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 because, you know, I was like, oh, no, I don't know why, but I thought they were going to do like she thinks that she's T'Pring, but she's actually Spock and she's going to say something that blah, blah. So I'm glad that like Tapring's like immediate or Spock in Tapring's body is immediately explaining the situation and getting her help. And I'm like, okay, good. Like we're not doing, we're doing hijinks. We're doing fun kind of weird stuff, but we're not relying on those really dumb tropes. Yeah. Cause again, why would Spock not tell her? Exactly. Yeah. Which again, my brain was in sitcom mode. So it's like, oh no, but wait, no, they're smarter than that. Right. Thank you. Okay, good. (laughs) And I thought the same thing. I wasn't thinking, oh, no, I was just thinking, oh, she's going to say something thinking she's talking to Dupring, but she's actually talking to Spock. And like, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be something where Dupring's talking to Chapel and Chapel says something like, well, I can see what you see in Spock. You know, he's a very attractive Vulcan. And then like, oh, Spock hears her saying yeah. this to him, you know, something like that. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm so glad they didn't go down that that path. So Yeah. 
so T'Pring needs to take over Spock's job because these negotiations are happening and are very important. And at the same time, T'Pring's co-worker contacts her, says there's the situation. Her job is to bring in Vulcans who have, you know, she's, she captures fugitives, basically. And in this case, this Vulcan, this Vatosh Couture, which is a term we've not heard since Enterprise, which means Vulcan without logic. He will talk only to T'Pring. So Spock, of course, in T'Pring's body has to go speak with this guy. And I love this scene where, first of all, he meets up with Chapel and they go together to meet this guy who's just like Vulcan arrogance combined with human emotions. This guy is a real piece of work. Yeah, certainly. I I like this scene because I like Chapel being there and Spock really in Dupring's body is there in this situation. And I thought in, well, in both situations too, with Spock dealing with this, I can't remember what we called them, but the alien race there. But I thought it was going to end up being something where Tupring and Spock's body is going to be able to do something that Spock wouldn't have been able to do and vice versa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I'm glad again, they're not going, they're not using that trope of Spock can't get it done but to pring can as Spock and vice versa and such. And and I guess it's kind of that way here with uh, to pring a Spock and Spock throwing the punch. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> Spock, Spock is... as to pring throwing the punch. Yeah. It's confusing how to talk through this. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I was thinking that like his, his right hook there is pretty good. And then the, perhaps it would be best if we did not discuss how we were able to bring him in. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was terrific. And I loved also at the end when Spock admits to T'Pring what he did and T'Pring is, I have met him. That was a logical response. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was a great line. Terrific. So yeah, meanwhile, T'Pring in Spock's body is doing these negotiations. And this was the scene I was most impressed with Ethan Peck and him being to pring because this was where I felt he was most like her, if that makes sense. And this negotiation with these aliens and they're kind of mirroring the Vulcan logic and Pike steps in when Spock in quotes kind of, I wouldn't say makes a faux pas, but says something that Spock wouldn't really say. And it was more from to pring's, kind of perspective on things and the interruption by Pike, you know, April's freaking out. He's like, no, you can't. They've said, and he's like, I'm, I I have a feeling I'm going to say this thing. And he speaks to Spock and, or to Pring really. And, you know, the reaction by the aliens isn't really what you'd expect. It's all really interesting. And I'm kind of going like, what's going on here with these aliens? I don't really get it. But Pike's getting it. And that's the important part. Yeah. My wife is so smart because she got that like right away. Like, oh, wow. She's like, oh, he realizes that they want him to sympathize with them, to understand. So he's doing this right now because I was like, how does she know that so quickly? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. But uh, I I like that again, because it just adds so much to the, the Pike character. Because I, I was expecting that Spock slash T'Pring sitting there is going to do something that the 
other Spock, the real Spock, wouldn't have done and therefore was successful at it. But instead, it makes sense that Dupring isn't going to get this exactly right because this isn't her thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's failing at it or doing a bad job. It's just not her thing. But Pike is that hero that knows how to handle these situations. And that's why he's the captain, because he he's got that experience to maybe see how to look at things differently and how to read people and such. And not no knock against Robert April, but he didn't see that. And he's an admiral, you know, mm-hmm. but it just shows how cool Pike is. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, like you said, he makes that connection that that they want the negotiators to see things from their perspective. And and he gives this kind of final speech to them that like, yeah, you know, maybe Federation membership isn't for you. You'd be taking on a lot of risk. And, you know, the only benefits are that, you know, you'd be part of this community and we'd help you if you were in trouble we'd defend you but you'd probably only be in that situation because of your association with us so you know maybe it's not and april again is just like what are you doing you're <laughs> no but he got it right and he saw things from their perspective they go back to their beautiful solar sail ship and fly the federation pennant they're like ah we have new allies cool yay <laughs> which that was beautiful by the way and yes. again, I think an amazing use of this AR wall. We're seeing a few different uses of it in this episode. First of all, the shot of the Enterprise docked behind them while they're having these negotiations. I was just like, I would never be able to take part in these negotiations because I'd be staring out that window. That was such a beautiful view. I was staring out that window quite often during yes. these scenes. <laughs> I, that's the one thing. I love the AR wall. But at the same time, I find myself looking for it and noticing it. And I'm mm. not sure if I'm always getting it right. Like, oh, they're using the AR wall. Well, maybe they're not all the times. But it's just one of those things that I think it looks so great that I'm always looking for it. You know, I'm like, oh, that's got to be the AR wall. Oh, that's got to be the AR wall. And the one thing, though, I, I do really love about it and going into that scene that you're talking about into that set, Pike is sitting at that conference table. And the camera's out from him and starts to zoom in. And everything behind him is in focus and clear. But as the camera zooms in on him, those items start to get out of focus, right? Because that's normally what happened. Once you start zooming in on his face, the things behind him will get out of focus. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in movies and shows, they'll use green screen and that doesn't always play that way. They stay in focus. So it looks flat. This looks real and looks dimensional because of that. And that's when I really appreciate the wall. Yes. I did notice that as well. I love that. The, the, I guess the volume that it gives, which is what they call that technology. Right. So that makes sense. The, the kind of depth of field and stuff, it feels like those are real physical objects there. I love that. I think the one thing I would kind of, this is a small criticism right now with the AR wall, but I think at times the sets, certain sets may seem a little too big because Mm. of that, where it doesn't always have to be that big. And, and they, they'll take advantage of that by having the camera really like zoomed out And it's like, wow, look at this big space that they're in. And that's when it's like, oh, AR wall, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I get that for sure. Well, let's talk about Chapel because 
her part in this, we've talked a little bit about with her advice to Spock and, and all of this stuff, but she's kind of got something going on herself as well, which is this date she's going on where she seems to be really kind of against attachments and, and is just kind of interested in casual, having fun. And this this poor officer that she's dating here, I say poor officer, but at the same time, he's kind of douchey. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, as soon as he starts talking about like their relationship, she totally bails. Like she is not interested and says, I'll call you and, and walks away. And uh, this is interesting given the one piece of backstory we know about her from the original series, which is that she joins Starfleet and joins the Enterprise in order to find her lost fiance, Roger Corby. Now, again, this is 10 years before that, so that all hasn't happened yet. And she's a civilian at this point. She's not in Starfleet yet. So that is still in her future. But I, I found that interesting that that's where she is in her life now. And then we see later on things have changed for her and which might account for the very different personality we see her exhibiting later. I think that kind of could be something that tracks there. Now I'm wondering if we're going to see that in an upcoming season of Strange New Worlds of her meeting her fiance and getting engaged. And I wonder if that has anything to do with Spock mm-hmm. where maybe, maybe, I mean, we may see Spock and Chapel go out on dates or kind of get involved and then kind of split. Like, you know, they, they kind of, it's almost like what she just did with this guy. It's like, it's all like something there, but one of them is like, no, or not receptive to it or whatever. And it's like back and forth. It's almost like the Sam and Diane thing from Cheers. Sam's interested in Diane, but she's not really interested in him. But then she says she's interested in him and he's not interested right now. And you play that out for a whole season or something. I mean, they're not going to go to that extent, but it makes me wonder if something happens where she realizes I can't have Spock. So I'm I'm just going to settle. I'm going to settle mm. for this other guy. Yeah, that could be for sure. The emotionless Spock or the guy who eventually transfers his consciousness into an emotionless android. Hmm. <laughs> mm, there you go. <laughs> That's an interesting point right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, I've known two people in my life that have done something like that where they're interested in somebody else, but they know they can't have them. So they settle. And I've heard them use the word set. I settled and married this person, but I don't really love them. Oh man. That's, oh, that's yeah, got to hurt. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so more to come with Chapel, I think. We've got little hints here, and there's the thing she leaves unsaid at the end of the episode that, hmm, there's there's something there, and I'm pretty sure that has to do with Spock. So more to come, absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's move on to La'an and number one, because they had some fun in quote marks in this episode everyone's kind of going on shore leave they're not and number one overhears or or hears mabenga say that she's where fun goes to die that's kind of her nickname or her reputation on the enterprise which seems to affect her it kind of gets to her a little bit and she doesn't really appreciate that and she and La'an kind of bond a little bit because they're all about duty and and not having fun in the traditional sense. 
but they also catch these two Enterprise crew members about to go on an illicit spacewalk and learn about Enterprise Bingo, which <laughs> this was interesting. What are your thoughts on Enterprise Bingo? I want to play it. <laughs> that's what I want to do. I thought that was fun because that's something lower deckers would do, right? They're going to come up with little games and strategies to entertain themselves and see the rest of the ship and try to break the rules a little here and there. And I th I thought it was cool. And I like that the two ensigns, I, I don't remember if they're ensigns or not, what their ranks are, but I know one of them we've seen on the bridge before and uh, in past episodes. So I, I love them getting caught and the, having number one and La'an call you know long calls bad cop before number one does <laughs> i love that because i've i've been in so many situations where i've been with a colleague and we're going into a meeting to negotiate a deal and sometimes that conversation comes up nobody calls it like that but it's like well you know do we want to do a good cop bad cop and which one do you want to be <laughs> you know and i love how Leon's like bad cop and i was like dang you caught it before i did and they play it that way i i love that part yeah, that was so much fun. All of their interactions here, you can tell the two actors are just having so much fun playing this. Very, They're very different characters from the people around them and, and playing up those, those parts of their personality. It seemed like they were just having so much fun here. Enterprise Bingo, I have to say, I'm kind of shocked that Lower Decks didn't come up with Cerritos Bingo before... Strange New Worlds <laughs> came out with Enterprise Bingo. Like this, yeah. like you said, this feels like such a Lower Decks thing. Uh, I love that so much. It makes so much sense. And and I'm sure now Mike McMahon's like, oh, Cerritos Bingo. We got to come up with a bunch of ridiculous things. I hope that becomes a thing. So, you know, the whole Walt Disney World thing where they have the Star Cruiser Hotel Star Wars experience. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking that that would work so much better for Star Trek. Oh, yes. I, because it would be like you're on the, the set. Well, you're not on the set, but you're on a starship. Like you enter a starship, you have your cabin there. You're Maybe you're assigned into a Starfleet uniform and you're given a rank. And I used to think, well, maybe if they did something like that, you're given some kind of mission on the ship. But now, seeing this episode, it would be fun if your mission is to play Enterprise Bingo. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That would work so well. So, okay, using the transporter to reflavor your gum. That's new. <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> I love how Lon's sitting there just chewing the gum like, that flavor's gone. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and then, oh, okay, that's cool oh. <laughs> that they do that. See, I paused on the screen where it showed all the items. So I was reading through all the items on Enterprise Bingo. And that is the first one. That's the number one is use the transporter to reflavor gum. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make a bit of a complaint here. This is not about Star Trek. So I, I thought about pausing it. When I watched it and that came up, I was like, oh, when I rewatch it, I'll pause it. And I totally forgot to do that. But on some of these streaming services, and I don't recall if this is the case with Paramount Plus, I think it kind of is, 
But sometimes when you go to pause something, all of a sudden the title comes up and like all oh, this like yeah. words and all of a sudden it's like blocking some of the things you want to see or read. And that drives me nuts. I agree completely. That that drives me insane. And yeah, I think that happens on Crave as well. So it was it was a bit of a pain as I remember to kind of try and read all of these. And I think I did eventually find someone else had posted a screen cap online as well. So that helped some of the ones that I couldn't see. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes it depends on the device. Like maybe if I'm on my phone, I can just tap it and those graphics would go away. I don't know. But yeah, sometimes those get in the way. So about these ensigns, by the way, one of them is a Bolian. And I think I could be wrong, but I think she might be the earliest Bolian we've seen in Star Trek history. I know they were mentioned in Enterprise. The Ferengi mention a Bolian in their episode. I can't remember if we ever saw a Bolian in Enterprise. It's possible they might have been a background alien or something, but I think this is the first like featured Bolian timeline wise we've seen in Star Trek. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I think you're right. I don't recall one from Enterprise. So I think you're right. And okay, I'm going to do a little nitpick. It doesn't bother me all that much, but even going back to Enterprise, doesn't it bother you a little that it seems like we've discovered all these different species and races really early on? Like you don't, you know, like Ferengi are introduced in Enterprise, but then, you know, they don't really see the Ferengi, you know, and all this stuff. Like we keep doing all these things where it's like Bolians. I just assume like, oh, we didn't just, you know, we didn't find the Bolians until later. And then they joined Starfleet in, you know, the 24th century. Oh no, they were around here too. Like, it seems like we, we find out these species in the 24th century that we've known for one or two centuries or so. Yeah. I that doesn't bother me so much because they never they've never said when Bolians were met. Yeah. And you know, a hundred years before this, the Ferengi did mention the Bolians, so they're around. And the fact that they're in Starfleet, there's so many of them in Starfleet in the time of TNG says to me they've known about them for quite a while, because like the first bullion we ever see in the next generation is a decorated captain. So he's probably been in Starfleet for 30 or 40 years. And this is, this would be like 90 years before that. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a problem at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying the bullions are a problem or anything. I'm just saying that it just seems like species that we meet in, in this in later Star Trek in the 24th century seem to pop up more and more in earlier stuff and just not even just on TV, but like in the novels and stuff. It's not, it's not a big problem I have. It's just sometimes I, I wish they would leave it. So it's like, well, they didn't join until later, you know? Yeah. Okay. So La'an and Una, they, they, like I said, they track down this enterprise bingo and they decide like to get in the heads of the Lord X officers. They're going to try and do this. And the one thing that I love and definite use of the AR wall, I think in this case, was they decide to sign the scorch, which was what the ensigns were doing when they were caught. They were going to go on the spacewalk to sign the scorch. And we find out that this is the earliest piece of the Enterprise that's still a part of the hull. And it's got the scorch mark on it and it's good luck to sign it. And I love this scene where they're walking out on the hull with this force field around them, 
that was so much fun. And they go and, and sign. And I loved Una's Una Chin Riley, number one. She writes, yes. that was great. I love that her signature put the number one there. I love that she did that because again, because of what we've read in the novels, I'm expecting that we're going to find more about her character and why she prefers being called number one. And that just like confirms that even more to me that we're going to hear that. I also kind of love the idea that the next group of ensigns to go and do this are going to go there and see the first officer's signature and be like, crap. Oh no, they know. (laughs) I had that same thought too. You know, it's like, Oh crap. Yeah. It's not just ensigns doing this. They know the top of the chain. (laughs) (laughs) I also, of course, have to call out this scene for that beautiful flyby of the solar sail ship over their heads as it's flying the Federation pennant. That was such a gorgeous shot. And oh man, I, I love the look of this show. That was so beautiful. And with the actors there on set, it's probably what we saw is exactly what they saw. You know, they're not looking at green screen, right? So they probably were looking up and over their heads as it went by and actually seeing it. Yeah, that is so cool. Oh man, that technology is awesome. (laughs) Don't you want to go and just like sample that in real life? Yeah. I mean, it's the closest we're going to have to a holodeck, I think. And I, I want that. (laughs) <laughs> You're going to, I guarantee we're going to see something like that, like at a Disney park or something or some kind of exhibition where you walk in to something like that. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, um, other small bits, I guess we've got uh, Dr. Mbenga going fly fishing. That looked like, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I love his hat. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Just. Yeah, there's a lot, a whole lot to say there. He's just really excited to go do some fly fishing, and we see him do it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, everything wraps up. We've got the the these guys are going to ally with Starfleet. We've got Chapel and her unspoken thing, which has to do with Spock. I'm pretty sure Spock and Dupring have this greater understanding of each other, and and finally share some tender moments like they've been trying to this whole time and Una and La'an have their beautiful experience. So with that said, is there anything that we haven't talked about or any final thoughts that you would have for Spock Amok? I think we pretty much covered everything that I can think of right now. Of course, when we're done recording, I'll think of something. Oh, I wanted to bring up that, but I forgot. But no, (laughs) I think we covered it all. But I really like this episode. It, It was a fun episode. It was, you know, after the intensity of the last episode, it's nice to kind of have like just a fun, light episode. Yeah. And again, great character focus not pushing the humor where it's not appropriate. It's just character humor and the situations that they're in. And so I enjoyed it. I I like seeing T'Pring and Spock together and them dealing with being each other's bodies. And then the whole relationship between Chapel and Spock, I like going more into that. So I would give this episode four out of five human Vulcan kisses. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I loved where the humor came from in the episode. And I, I've always been such a big fan of the recovery episodes or the episodes that take place after the big thing, right? And a little more lighthearted, especially after last week's 
big drama. You know, we've got some hijinks here. We've got some fun. We've got less high stakes stuff, but at the same time, meaningful, right? I mean, we have actual progression on Spock and T'Pring's relationship. We have some great character moments for all of these characters. And I love Spock bringing up things like Aichaya, his pet Salot from yesteryear. Uh, that was one of my favorite references. And also the Vatosh Couture. I love when Enterprise gets a bit of love and we see a reference to the Vulcans without logic and we see this jerk. <laughs> that was fun. And I don't think we mentioned this, but we also saw the green tunic, Captain's tunic. Yes, we didn't mention that. Yeah, Pike's got his version of that kind of more casual uniform. That was fun too, for sure. So yeah, I'm really enjoying this episode. I think uh, it was perfectly timed where it fell in the season. And I'm going to have to give it, I'm going to say 475 casual uniforms out of five. So it's, it's almost a five out of five for me. It's just shy of it. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Okay. That's, that's an interesting rating that uniform. I want to see 4.75 of that, that tunic. (laughs) I'm sure there are a lot of people that would love to see 0.75 of that tunic on bike. (laughs) That's true. However, I just realized that did we ever see a scene on the bridge? I don't recall. I don't think we did. Yeah, we didn't get the bridge this episode. And we also didn't see Hammer. Hammer was not in this episode at all. That's true. Gosh, why didn't I think about that one? Yeah. I'm ready for the Hammer episode. Mm-hmm, me too. Absolutely. Well, with that, we are halfway done season one of Strange New Worlds, which is wild to think about. That's crazy. I, that's sad to me. (laughs) I know me too. I want more than just five more. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I can't wait until we get more, but at the same time, I don't want this season to end because I'm enjoying it so much. But with that said, Bruce, if you want to commiserate with fellow Star Trek fans about how few episodes of Strange New Worlds are left in season one, where can they find you to do that? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I'm also on Instagram at Admiral Rex. And you can even send me an email at Admiral underscore Rex at Yahoo.com. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, you can find Positively Trek at Positively Trek on Twitter and Instagram, as well as our Goodreads group where you can catch up on the books that we're reading for our book club episodes. Thank you all so much for listening this week. And thank you so much to our Patreon supporters for your help in bringing these episodes to you. We will see you in the next one. Until then. As always, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.